I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. Just a quick thank you to our sponsors at the moment. As you know, we are being kindly sponsored by Waterfall Plastic Free Wipes. They are 99% purified water and are both fragrance and alcohol free. The wipes are made from natural cellulose plant fibres making them so much softer and kinder to delicate skin. Waterful baby wipes are hyperallergenic having been extensively tested by dermatologists and are approved by the Skin Health Alliance and Allergy UK. They've also been accepted by the International Eczema Association and are also certified by Cruelty Free International and the Vegan Society. Waterful baby wipes are 100% plastic free, 100% biodegradable and also 100% compostable. Breaking down in a matter of weeks, they are the best choice for our planet and your baby's future. So from using the wipes myself, I've also discovered that they're much larger than other wipes and also so robust, which is what we need on those messy jobs. Available for purchase in Tesco, select super values and can be bought in bulk on Amazon too. Kindful, mindful and waterful. So today I'm bringing you an additional episode and that is my conversation with Tara Whelan who is the founder of Resilient Emotions. The reason I'm doing so is this week it is Perinatal Mental Health Awareness Week and Tara shares her experience with mental health throughout her postpartum journey with her first baby but also throughout her pregnancy as a result of her first experience um, throughout her pregnancy with her second baby as well. So a really important conversation that Tara is bringing to the forefront As a result of her own experiences, she now specialises in the areas of birth trauma and also preparing parents with the, the tools they need to get them through that perinatal stage. Really important conversation and I always love hearing, as as Tara refers to it as, in such a nice way, as the awakening. So hearing how women navigate that awakening and for so many others like me, that awakening just sparks something in you that can, can, can't be quenched and I'm delighted it wasn't in Tara's case. So enjoy this week's episode and I will chat to you soon. So Tara, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Delighted to chat with you this evening. Thank you very much, Cora. 
Do you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family? My name is Tara Whelan and um, I'm now the mother of two, a 13 and 14 year old, uh, Owen and Katie. Um, so I'm at the other other stage of it now, but um, I work with birth trauma and perinatal, um, looking up to parents on their perinatal journey. And I suppose um, my experience is what led me to where I am today. And I suppose going into my pregnancies, I had first pregnancy with own. It was a lovely pregnancy. Both pregnancies were beautiful. Never had any problem. Um, Owen actually came on his due date. So very punctual baby. And um, <clears throat> he we arrived at the hospital at half 11 at night. And an hour later, Brian was told that, you know, I wasn't in labor or I was in slow labor and to head away home and off we went home. And we lived near the hospital, so that was fine. And I'd say it wasn't even an hour later. I actually couldn't get into the bed. I was in so much pain and I came down the hallway looking for some pain relief and I was greeted uh, with a nurse who just said, I'll give you two parts each and I'll go back up to the room. But at that stage, I knew that two parts each <laughs> wasn't going to work for the pain I had. So um, I went back up and I, I actually couldn't move. So I came back down and um, at that stage, my placenta membranes were, were coming down. So I asked for somebody to examine me and they sent in a student nurse and she examined me and the placenta membranes were down. And I think I was told that I was 10 centimetres and it was time to push. So I decided I was going to go on strike, that I wasn't going to um, push until Brian came and um, asked them to phone him. So in my panic state, I actually gave them my his parents' phone number. Now, how I remember that in that state, I don't know. But they came back in and said he's not answering the phone. And I just remember absolutely like freaking out <laughs> that he wasn't answering the phone. And halfway through my push, and I remembered, like, it's not a mad how your brain works, that I'd given the wrong number. So anyway, he arrived a few minutes later. But... Anyway, hours later, I was still um, still struggling to deliver own. And they called in one a, a doctor that was new to the hospital. And he little or no English. He had absolutely no English, actually. So he was there for de- delivery and turns out to be vacuum and suction. And he was born at about, I think it was 25 to 6 in the morning. Um. So everything was fine. Owen was grand. Um, and I struggled then after that. I think his blood sugars dropped and they took him away for a while into um, NICU to just see could they bring the blood sugars back up. But when he came back up, uh, I just had trouble latching uh, for breastfeeding. And um, I had a lovely supportive nurse who was hands-on and really helpful, like with latching him on and, um, she was kind of building up my confidence in that area. But then um, there was times when she wasn't there. Uh, it was the next night I was struggling again and couldn't feed him and he was crying. So a nurse came and she took him and she said she would give him a bottle. Um, and she actually came back and said she tube fed him for me. So with that, he 
vomited up all over the cot. I think he just got too much too soon. I was really distressed and so was he. So that was just another layer of a bad experience. And it happened to be the same nurse that I'd met the first night as well. So okay. at that time, I just felt totally unsupported um, by, you know, just one particular person and then so well supported with another nurse. So it was constantly like looking for this other nurse and it was really busy at the time. Um, <clears throat> so that was fine. We left and went home. And I remember, I remember before I even, we got home, I actually couldn't walk down the corridor. Um, it was like, I was in an awful lot of pain down below. And one of the nurses says, why are you walking funny? And I just said, I'm like, I'm really, really sore. And it seems to be getting worse every day. But it turned out when I got home, I actually had, um, it was after a couple of days, I had an infection in the, in the, on the wound, um, after having a episiotomy and I had a kidney infection as well. So I was with the GP. And at that time when he was examining me, I remember him saying, he said, who sutured you? And I said, obviously, you know, the doctor that delivered. And he just said, it, it leaves an awful lot to be desired. But I knew because oh. I could feel, I could feel the scar myself that mm. it just didn't feel right. So that turned me off again. But I was really, really struggling to feed own at home. And the public health nurse was calling in and he was losing weight. And I became obsessive then about, obviously, the breastfeeding. So I, I, I remember even like, do not be charged, right boob, left boob putting down how long he was on it. So after a couple of days of the public health nurse calling, she kept saying, no, he's he's losing weight. He's not thriving. Are you sure you're breastfeeding enough? Is his nappy's wet? And all the questions, you know, thinking, you know, that <clears throat> he just wasn't getting enough. So um, I think this was 10 days on now at this stage. And Brian came home from work and we were in the kitchen um, having rt and owen was um in his mosel basket and i just went in to check on him and he was actually really mottled and lifeless so i started screaming and we were as i said we were very near the hospital so brian you know rushed in and we i grabbed owen got into the back of the car with him got to peds and um when we went in you know they obviously tried to put in iv lines and i remember at that stage, just standing in, in the peds room, like literally I just almost felt like I had removed myself from mm. the room. Like he was completely lifeless. They were putting in lines. There wasn't an absolute geek out of him. So it turned out anyway, he had septicemia. And so he was, t- he was special for a while um, in Scooboo and didn't get to see him. And I remember thinking, and this is where a lot of my stuff comes in. I remember being relieved and having huge amounts of guilt and shame for that feeling. And it was definitely because I felt that the whole episode was due to me not being able to breastfeed him. But it wasn't, you know, I, I reckon the septicemia came from maybe the, the long birth that he had. So that was fine. Um, he made fabulous recovery as babies do. They always bounce back and he came home and he was thriving. And um, a few, about a week after that, he ended up then getting a kephalhematoma that can pop out in their head sometimes after delivery. So we ended up back in hospital again and 
that turned out fine. It was grand. Um, so we kind of got back on track. But I noticed then after a while I was getting extremely anxious, um, really hypervigilant about him. I couldn't relax. I kept thinking I was going to miss something constantly with the GP for every little sniffle or move the child was making. I just couldn't relax and start enjoying the pregnancy. I found everything really like hard and overwhelming trying to get on with it. Um, we were busy at the time. We were building a house as well. Um, and then <laughs> almost four months old and I was six weeks pregnant and I just wasn't ready at all. So I went into complete denial, which would be like a real sign of trauma, um, avoidance of GP appointments, um, just went into kind of like deep denial about the pregnancy and it was a lovely it had an uneventful pregnancy as with own it was lovely and you know went through trying to I suppose just focus on own how did you find out you were pregnant do you have a missed period so had your your period returned it had yeah uh had it returned I don't even I think I had one yeah one period okay so um moved into the new house and everything was fine again I was so busy and busy blocking down everything and it came to 34 weeks maybe 32 I can't even remember what the time frame was and it was like my mood just took a complete nosedive um and I all I can describe it for as it was just like a black hole I couldn't leave the room for three or four days I totally detached from Brian from Owen um and on the lead up to it I was waking up in the nighttime with this wicked heaviness in my chest like like an awful pain in my chest and I would be just waking up crying and I'd be crying in my crying in the nighttime like poor Brian had no clue any of this was going on and I think that's a part of my problem. It would have come from, you know, childhood, my past. I'd be very much a person who would shove down an awful lot of emotions, shove down an awful lot mm-hmm. of things, kind of just, you know, be unaware, unaccepting of a lot of things. And I think at that time, I was really unaccepting of the way I was feeling. I just, you know, couldn't accept that I might have been struggling. So anyway, yeah, waking up a few nights with for a while with this awful heaviness in my chest and really dark thoughts started to creep in um and the thoughts were like suicidal thoughts and again I had that huge shame and guilt creeping in about you know how could I have thoughts like this I have a beautiful baby I'm pregnant you know what would people think of me so I didn't discuss it with anyone and I just again tried to shove them down tried to manage it um but I, I was a couple of days in the room at this stage and I was really, really scared. I was scared of myself. I was scared of my thoughts. And I phoned a friend and um, I just rang her and I said, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've never in my whole life felt like this. Never um, t- had these thoughts. I'm really scared. I don't know what to do. And she lived up a leash and within an hour she was at my door. And she like took me out of that space and um, kind of opened up, I suppose, some of what was going on. Um, 
in hindsight, knowing what I know now, I do think it was unresolved trauma. I just mm-hmm. was so fearful of what I'd gone through, so fearful of the birth, so fearful of parenting. I was really, really scared that I was going to, you know, I was going to fail another baby and missing something or just not be a good enough mother. These were like the real driving thoughts as well. Something you mentioned there, fear of parenting, that is huge. That's a a huge fear that I think is not spoken about enough. We enter into parenthood really excited. And then when we do realise that we are responsible for these little people for the rest of their lives and we feel a massive weight. I personally felt a huge weight and you can go on your date nights, you can get away from the environment that you parent in all the time. Yeah. But even then you're still parenting you're still worrying you're still concerned about them all of the time and that takes a huge toll on the the new you and that like that was there from the get-go like the first time I was married to Brian for four years before um, I got pregnant with Owen and it was because we were having a whale of a time didn't even enter our conscious minds to actually have a family and I think we found out years later that people were talking about us but we were like you know in a good place in life you know having a nice time just didn't didn't think about it and you know then we said okay we'll try for a baby and you know got pregnant more or less straight away and I remember crying at the fear of being pregnant straight away from the get-go and obviously it was the same Katie but that would be always um an underlying thought with with me even now like um, raising two teenagers that I'm just not a good enough parent or not doing stuff right but it was really really massive when they were small which the after that episode the anxiety then creeped in big time into I suppose when when I had the two of them I found it really overwhelming found it hard because it was so hyper vigilant of their well-being like I was constantly bringing them to the GP like I was with Owen um I just wasn't mindful of my own needs at all. I was just so focused on them that I suppose I neglected myself. And I think that definitely comes in for a lot of parents. We do think, you know, we need to put our own needs or the kids' needs or our partner's needs before ourselves. And that's when we can start to sink and swim. Like we need as women to realize that, you know, we are worthy we deserve to be nurtured. You know, when we're pregnant, we need to start nurturing ourselves just like our bumps. We need to start looking after our emotional well-being because if we don't, you know, you lose precious time like I did with babies. You won't have the attachments that you want to give your children. You're letting them down by not looking after your own needs. And that's what I still feel today, you know, that had I looked after my own needs, had I being accepting and aware of my own mental and emotional well-being things would have been different um and I do think more women women are definitely more aware than they were in my time like that and there's way more services out there for them to reach out to I don't think people are making it a priority people are consumed by commercialism they'll still fork out for the big buggy but they won't invest in themselves and I think that's where we are at a loss um, coming into pregnancy and coming into parenting and motherhood. We need to just invest a tiny little bit into ourselves that we can be the best, the best we can be, you know, physically, mentally and emotionally coming into that transition because it's a massive transition. 
some people find that easy. Some people find that hard. I struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think if I was to tell people to, if I could change. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Change anything, that would be it. Um, that women would be more aware of getting the holistic picture, physical, mental, and emotional well-being on their pregnancy as they transition over into motherhood and parenting and realizing that, you know, when, when their baby is born, so too are they as a mother. It's Mm -hmm. a massive, massive transition, even in the relationship, but it's just not, I suppose, really focused on. Um, You mentioned there investing in yourself and preparation. So when your friend mm -hmm. did come to your side and, help you and have that conversation did you go to what did you do to go into that labor and birth state of mind to help you get ready for what was to come did you attend any classes or make any changes or what did you do to help yourself prepare for what was ahead in the next few weeks um I I, I suppose I spoke to Brian and I told him of you know, how I felt about the last time. And I was so fearful of meeting the same nurse again, like that I was going to be triggered and re-traumatized. And I didn't have that language at the time, but I, I just kept saying, mm. I can't see the same nurse. I can't see the same nurse. If I do, I don't know what I'll do, I, you know. And I had him tipped off that if I pointed her out that, you know, he was to be my voice and say, you know, you have to just, we have to have somebody else on board or whatever. Um, that helped made me feel safer um and I suppose Brian maybe had more awareness I had I suppose a better insight as to 
what was right and what was wrong with what happened the first time. Um, and I felt I was going to have a better voice. Um, and did you did you have a better insight because you had spoken to someone or because no. you did? No, okay. I hadn't. At that time, Cora, there was no awareness really of any perinatal trauma or birth trauma. Mm. There was no access to anything. Like there was no um, perinatal mental health pathways. There was nothing like, you know, all there was was your antenatal classes. And I had <laughs> completely like avoided them the second time around as well. I was gone into so much avoidance. Um, <clears throat> no, it was really just getting into my own head. Um, and I had the most fabulous birth the second time around like it couldn't have been nicer it was like a really healing experience I was very lucky um that Katie came so easily and it was in the middle of the day and it was exactly as they describe you know when they describe you know you need to push so I didn't have that sensation but on through any of it and then the second time it's like oh my god this is what they're talking about <laughs> you know and it was so easy to work with it um so sometimes you know when they're telling you to you know push and you don't feel the urge to push you know that can sometimes happen you know it's not all it's not all always like textbook um as we expect when we're in the antenatal classes um and that's what happens I got I got so wrapped up in thinking I could be sitting there with my little apple mp3 ipod and listen to nice relaxing music with a nice candle lighting around me but uh, <laughs> that wasn't the picture when I got there but um yeah I, th- I do think women are definitely more more aware now um and men are more on board as well with making sure that they are the voice if the woman loses theirs and that's very important and so was brian prepared then second time round to to look out for maybe indications that you weren't coping second time round as well or and actually how did you feel then did you feel a massive shift shift in comparison to the first time um I didn't like I definitely struggled through with Katie as well it took it took it took a long time I was not a person to look after my own um well-being at all and it all came tumbling down I'd say about when the kids were five and six and I ended up getting counseling um for loads of different things and Mm. it was only I suppose later on then as I had like a bit of um personal growth that I decided to um go into trauma work myself and then yeah everything started to click together you know then I could come in with kindness and compassion for myself for feeling all those horrible feelings of guilt and shame and not accepting um why I was thinking feeling and behaving the way I was um so it's been a long journey of professional or personal work as well you know still to this day I'd still have them heavy feelings an odd time and you know I'd have to meet them with kindness and compassion and acceptance because otherwise feelings like that will just drag you down and um, you can't be there when you have a family to support and if you want to be your best self and show up as the best mother you can be. In terms of your recovery after giving birth to Katie, how did you feel? And also, were you nervous before you gave birth to Katie, uh, wondering if you would have, if you would feel the same as you did with your first postpartum experience? Um, I wasn't. I think because the birth was so different, I came out feeling out of that birth really empowered and light, actually. And it bounced home. Like I remember when I came home with Owen, I actually felt like I had been hit by a bus. I remember going up the stairs and getting into the bath. And to this day, um, a nurse had told me to put in like 
six drops of lavender oil and six drops of tea tree oil into the bath to kind of help with the wound. And I remember the smell of them to them drops in the bath and getting into the bath and just crying and sobbing and just releasing all the emotion that came. Mm. Mm. But them smells to this day still have, um, I don't know, I I love the smell of it. It's like as if it was such an emotional time in the bath. (laughs) And it must be, you know, the olfactory lobe must have uh, recognized the emotional release with the smells of the lavender and the tea tree but I didn't have any of that when I got home with Katie I came home much more I suppose confident um I felt I I didn't have I didn't have the same feeling that I had been run over uh, when I came back with her um and I recovered really well after that birth um I had made a very conscious definite decision that I wasn't going to breastfeed I was so traumatized by the breastfeeding experience because my belief at that time when Owen got sick, it mm. was my fault. I, you know, I believed that I didn't feed him enough and he dehydrated into the state he was in, you know, which now I know didn't happen. But at that time, I still had that belief. So um, I bottle fed her from the get go. And um, that made it easier as well. Um so we just kind of got on with it. But as I said, I was extremely anxious. Uh, at that stage, I had two babies and I was hypervigilant and really anxious about their health all the time and that I wasn't a good enough mother, that I was going to miss something. Um, so, yeah, it was constant GP visits. visits. And did the GP ever ask you how you were? He knew, I think... Um, I suppose, I, I think at one stage he said to me, um, I know you're coming in a lot and he, I think he's feeling guilty for charging all the time. And he said, but, you know, it will end. The kids won't be sick for long and you'll be fine. He didn't cop what I was going through. No, I don't think he connected up the birth trauma, you know, or maybe did even have a record from the hospital of him, the baby being in. I don't know. Um, but there was no connection. I never discussed it with him either um if the conversation ever happened I would love if you spoke about what you do now Mm. I know in the space of 13 14 years since you've given birth things have changed somewhat um in terms of support but we're not where we need to be I know the likes of you um finding your voice and what you do are making a huge change so I would love if you spoke to us about about resilient emotions yeah I um after I suppose going for counseling myself um was back I think in about I can't remember now was it 2014 or maybe before that um I remember at the time um Gertrude saying to me you know I th- I, I think you have something else in you because I'm, I'm nursing as it I'm a nurse right and I still do nursing and she said are you happy in your job and I was like yeah I am yeah and she said I think there's something else in you and I said like what and she goes I don't know there's you know you're destined to be doing something else but she must have put the thought in my mind but I didn't think about it I was happy in my job but it must have opened up my mind in some way and it was a few years later then I was reading a magazine and I came across a technique called Havening Techniques, which is a neuroscience-based trauma therapy. And it was on Sunday magazine and I read it and I was just hooked 
you know, by the neuroscience of it, re- reading it, I thought it was a really good article. And because it was so off the wall, it's not something, you know, we'd see anywhere else or I didn't hear of it anywhere else. So it didn't, I didn't look into it or anything. And then do you remember we were all snowed in years ago for days? Yeah. And <laughs> one of the daytime programs was on, it could have been like something like the Elaine show. And Stephen Travers was talking about havening techniques. And I was like, oh my God, that is so weird. Like, like random, like in the middle of the day. Love and stuff this. like that happens. Yeah. yeah. Like, this <laughs> is destined, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, I rang him and he hadn't done any training in the Republic of Ireland. He had up north and he said he was actually going doing one in Dublin that year. So I signed up for that and done the healing techniques, which was a trauma-based therapy. And I knew straight away, I just really wanted to do birth trauma, but I couldn't find anyone in the, I, there was a woman in the Havening Techniques um, uh, with uh, practitioners who was a community midwife in Manhattan and she done birth trauma and she was the only one doing it. And um, I was, I phoned her and asked her, could she, would she be do would she be doing classes or would she train up people in the birth trauma end of it? But um, it was face to face in America, so couldn't do it. And then I kind of looked into it a bit and I did find um, a woman over in England, in London, Alex Heat. So contacted her and signed up for her program, which is um, Three Step Rewind. Um, So um, trained under Alex for the Three Step Rewind, uh, for debriefing, for um, perinatal anxiety, birth loss, all that kind of stuff. But I incorporated the havening with it. So some most of the time, instead of the actual rewind bit, I would do the havening techniques because it's a lovely touch therapy. And the woman, coming from my own experience, really, really feels supported in that space because you're doing touch while you're doing while you're de-traumatizing um, the emotional connections from the vent. So they really do feel cared for, supported, you know in that moment, you know, when, when you're doing the trauma work. Um, so that's where I started. And then in the last year, I suppose I, I felt that I was just dragging parents, especially mothers out of the water after they'd already been in the water, you know, like fishing them out Mm. and the damage was done. And I was like, oh, my God, like, that's exactly where I was. And I just wish people weren't there, like that they didn't have to sink solo or, you know, be so traumatized um, or struggling with such anxiety uh, that there must be another way. So um, I came across Sophie Birch and she does Before and Beyond Birch. She wrote a, a book called Before and Beyond Birch, Mindful Parenting. So bought the book, read it, thought it was like absolutely amazing every parent's bible um it's all about looking after your your just your mind and your emotional well-being during your pregnancy and as you transition over and i thought you know that's that's what people need they need that they need to look after themselves you know on that journey so when they do come across the challenges which inevitably we all will we come across some challenge on that journey that they have some of the tools and resources to actually manage it a bit better or if they're not managing it, that they all they've heard of all the things that can go wrong and they know where when they need support, unlike me, where I was unaware and unaccepting, that they will have an awareness to think this 
sounds like anxiety or feels like this, maybe I should reach out a bit more or have the tools to be able to downregulate themselves and manage themselves a bit more. Yeah, brilliant. So I think, you know, that's where I'm going to introduce, I suppose, more services in helping parents look after their emotional well-being and um, on, on during pregnancy and on the fourth trimester that, you know, they can have all the tools and techniques to manage themselves a bit more effectively and turn up better for their families, for their partners, for work, for everything. Because, uh, you know, it has a ripple effect if you're not if you're not well um, physically, mentally or emotionally, it does ripple out into all areas of your life. So completely. Yeah, that's amazing. I think I think um, what you're saying is teaching the tools. That is so important. And it's not until like even when I'm at home and toys under my feet, crumbs on the floor, which I have two babies is it's constant. That drives me bonkers. And it's not until what three years later, I I know now if I play meditation music from seven o'clock in the morning all day and that's all. I can't hear the radio anymore because it's too noisy. There's annoying conversations on that. If I have that on, that at least sorts some of the craziness on in the house and that just slows some of it down for me. But that's three years later. I could have done with that when I had a newborn in the house as well. So it's just it is about learning techniques that kind of, yeah, slow things down a little bit for you. Yeah, help you cope. And just to be able to have something like wish so stuff like it would be connecting in with like, I suppose, nurturing yourself um tapping in with your emotions um connecting mm. with yourself connecting with baby sometimes connecting back with your past because our past is always present you know when we're coming into yeah. the perinatal journey all of a sudden all the past stuff starts raising its ugly head and you know it's, it's like an awakening i think when you become a parent you start looking at yourself and you're thinking who the hell have i been for the last like 10 years 20 years flitting through life like I feel totally different mm. um so it's kind of you know meeting that with a bit more understanding and a bit more compassion as well towards self uh brings you on a journey of healing and recovery of nourishing and of that you know transformation into motherhood and parenting so it really does set parents up for where they need to be on that journey and through all of this, have you discovered uh, a new Tara or a different Tara? Oh, I'm a completely different person. Like uh-huh. I really like even my friends who know me uh, were so friendly <laughs> with me. Uh, it took a while because in you know in, in on that transition, I thought I was going to lose them because yeah, they just saw a totally different person and. They were nearly kind of like talking about the old me and I used to be there going, oh, my God, I was so bad or, you know, um, but no, they stuck by me. And now I think they're transitioning with me. It's like they're becoming a bit more awake or they're more, I suppose, open (laughs) when I start talking about different things. So, yeah, we're all at different stages. But, yeah, I definitely thought I was going to lose a few. But, um, no, I've really have a really good group of fabulous friends. Thank God. And I. I think that's what's saved me through a lot of my life's troubles um, that I've had really, really good friends. Thank God. Tara, thank you so much for this conversation. It's You've brought up so many really important aspects of parenthood and motherhood and giving birth and birth trauma, how we need to look after ourselves. It's just a really important conversation. So thank you once again. And I'll make sure to tag you, your business and the books and resources that you've mentioned uh, throughout the conversation. So yeah, thank you again. 
Thank you very much. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to learn and grow again. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my chat with Tara. I certainly did. It was after my conversation with Tara that I thought, God, these these conversations, these postpartum conversations need to be brought forward and then someone contacted me a few days after speaking to Tara and said would you consider sharing my sharing a postpartum story and I thought yep there's a lot of signs being sent my way so that's exactly what we're doing And as I said before if you want to share your postpartum story specifically your postpartum story then get in touch and I will get back to you with a date that we can do our recording and it's going to launch next year and there's going to be some really important conversations being shared with all different aspects of becoming a parent. Uh, Yeah, so I will, I hope you enjoyed and I will chat to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.